For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, got an interesting new topic. It's May 12th. It's actually 1230 a.m. on May 13th now, if we're going to timestamp this, where we're talking about the Ravens schedule. And, uh, you know, first of all, what is that schedule? And then also, what are some of the pitfalls that the Ravens face in, in terms of the relative to divisional opponents? Here to discuss that with me is Jordan Coe. Jordan, how are you doing? Good, Ken. Good to be back with you. It seems like it's been hours since we last did a show. <laughs> I mean, you're a, you're a whole day ahead of me, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. So, in in the strictest terms, we're when I look at the analyze the schedule, what I'm talking about um, is analyzing how the schedule makers impact the Ravens. So we're going to, of course, talk through what the Ravens' schedule are, but we're not trying to handicap the games. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about whether or not something is a particular advantage for them or, or, or whatnot, but it's really the timing advantages we're going to be getting into because the schedule makers still have a ton of control over teams' fates in an individual season by the, by the way the schedule can seem to get stacked, and unnecessarily so year after year. I'm sure a lot of you folks have heard me complain about elements of scheduling. If, if you haven't before, I can probably remind you by the end of this episode that this has happened. Uh, but anyway, we're going to go through the schedule. So Jordan, why don't you take, kind of take us through the games and we'll kind of go back and forth here on on what this might mean from a timing perspective. Yeah, you know, and, and just, you know, off the top, Ken, it does it does feel like the schedule every year, the Ravens have some kind of structural disadvantage. I would love 
You know, it, it's funny. This one of those things where at this time of year, everybody's always talking about this. I'm sure every, for the most part, every team is usually griping about something um, that has gone wrong. I would love to go back and like, no one seems to aggregate this data historically, right? Like there are all these, right. like, if you go out on social media right now, you can see all the charts of like the negative, like, like time games lost sure. or, or like days of rest lost in games. And like, I, I would just be interested. There's a really interesting nexus of like predictions of like, one, how do you predict how those teams should have done in those games and then find out the results of those and whether there's any influence or not, or whether it's just a bunch of like early May belly aching and, and we have, have not enough to talk about. So, we, you know, we, we really want to get into it. So I always, I think that part of it's fun. Um, but, you know, as, as we jump into this schedule, I think the first thing that jumps out to me is that, you know, we get to, like, we jump right into, I, I mean, the, the start of the season is the um, AFC East. Like right off the bat, <laughs> and, and we draw all those AFC teams like right right out of the gate, all at early one o'clock games, which I think is, in a lot of ways, probably a good thing early in the season for the Ravens. Yeah, so you know they start at the New York Jets. The last time that happened was in 2010. Had a great 10 to nine win uh, there. wasn't the greatest, prettiest football game, but it certainly had some fun fourth down football, some good hard hitting, and some good defensive plays in it. Uh, that was the opener for that stadium. Yeah. For the New York Jets, the the Ray Lewis hit on Dustin Keller will yep. always forever be in my mind from that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I I loved it. Mark Sanchez was still the quarterback uh, back then for the Jets, and he threw a fourth down pass, and the receiver stepped out of bounds a yard before the sticks without even trying to fight for that yard. Uh, he might not have gotten it, but it just was utter silliness the way it went down. So, uh, uh, you know, interesting one. They get Miami in week two uh, at home this time where they've had a lot of success against Miami. They've won the last four here uh, against the Dolphins, including some big wins, a 40 to nothing win amongst those. Um, and, and I like both these games being early on the calendar. I think that there are there are advantages to two teams that have a lot of new faces, a lot of new things to integrate, a new head coach in Miami, a lot of new players um, in New York. Um, and I think that they're both teams that could – I think that whole division is going to be close in general. So I think that playing them later in the year would have would have a little bit potentially more on the line for those teams and they'd be a little bit more gelled or together potentially at that point in the season. So I, I like these games earlier in the year. Right. I think I think you're right. I think it's good. And it's certainly good to stay on normal Sunday one o'clock time. Something about Sunday one o'clock football time that the schedule makers are not hosing you typically, as long as you're consistently uh, uh, going that way. Out here in LA, I don't love that. This this past season was great for us, uh, for us West Coast watchers because we didn't have to get up for those ten o'clock games. But I agree. I you know I want to see a lot of money these one o'clock. You strike me as a guy who occasionally sleeps till noon, <laughs> right there. But anyway, I know you're up late a lot. Uh, week three at New England. Um, week four, home against Buffalo. So uh, really odd. I think I remember them doing this against the NFC North once that they. They played them on four consecutive weeks. Or if it wasn't that, it was pretty close, maybe four to five weeks. But uh, this is really weird to get four in a row like this, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's weird um, to get four in a row. And it was peculiar to me that we don't get the Josh Allen-Lamar Jackson matchup in any kind of prime time. Um, you know, they, they they picked, and I, if I recall in the calendar, this is the week that Kansas City plays Tampa. Um, and, oh, I can't remember what the Monday night game is. I'll get it for you. The- it's right here. Oh, the Rams and Niners. Mm-hmm. Um, so two huge games. So it, it, it just it struck me as, you know, I get why those are the primetime games, right? Like, it's just odd that 
they would the schedule makers would put all three of these into the same week when I probably we could probably look around and find some other games that don't have as premium matchups. Um, it, it would have made a lot more sense to me to have Jackson, uh, the, the Ravens in Buffalo as the Thursday game than have Cincinnati be the Thursday game that week. And, yeah. and it has an implication and the first really serious implication on the Ravens schedule the following week when the Ravens play Cincinnati coming off their half by, you know, they, they play on a Thursday yep. and they get to wait 10 days to play the Ravens uh, significant scheduling thing. in in the formula I use that gives, that gives them a Thursday game is always good. A uh, it's, it's a, oh, that game is at Cincinnati that game is at Cincinnati, correct? No, 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 no I'm sorry. No, no, that, in Baltimore. That game is at Baltimore. It's the Sunday game. I'm, I'm thinking ahead to the uh, uh, to, to the, the fact that the Ravens play on Thursday on the road. But but anyway, it's a uh, it's a half by uh, that the Ravens are facing. Not as bad as a full by, obviously, but still minus three in my scoring system. So that that hurts the Ravens. You should expect to play one per year of those because there's approximately 32 total. Uh, Thursday games, it might be 33. It's it's very close to 32. And and uh, when you have to play two teams coming off a half-by, you have been unnecessarily hosed by the schedule makers in terms of the timing, and that's what the Ravens got. Because uh, Carolina in Week 11, similar type game, half-by. I, I have never, uh, and I get, I, I don't think that making the NFL schedule is easy. I, I Like, that is not what I'm trying to say, but... It, it strikes me as entirely peculiar that the first structural rule of this is that everybody is that's coming off a buy is playing someone else coming off a buy. Like mm-hmm. that, that there aren't any like that. None of these structural things happen. Like even you could even use the Thursday games and the buys to like offset that for everybody. But to do it for some people in some instances. So like when you know we'll talk about Baltimore and Carolina later, right? Like to do it in some instances where that happens, but then in other instances where it doesn't. It's just it, it has never made any sense to me. Going back to even before the Thursday night games, why everybody that's on a bye is not playing someone like if Kansas City and the Chargers are on the bye on the same week, like they should play each other two weeks after that, right? Because there's no structural advantage to either team that. Right, and that makes all kinds of sense. If you look at the a uh, the AFC North buys this year, the Browns and Steelers have a buy in Week Nine. The Ravens and Bengals have a buy in Week Ten. What is the obvious? you know, scheduling thing you do after that. Well, you play the Browns and Steelers in week 10 and you play the Ravens and Bengals in week 11, but they, that's not the way it was set up. Uh, by the way, this is not a difficult set theory problem. So any mumbo jumbo that the league would give you with regard to, oh, you don't understand, there's 3.7 trillion possible combinations. No, bullshit. There's, there's, there's easy ways. <laughs> it's, it's like saying, you know, there's, there's nine factorial different baseball lineups. Well, a whole bunch of those are precluded by certain positions, you know, like designated hitter is usually not your number nine hitter, for example, that kind of thing. So it's, it, it don't try not to tell me crap like that, or you just set me off or maybe that's the goal for some people, but it's, it's just really strange that they can't get this one right. Well, and it's to me, I mean, I totally agree with you. And to me, it's one of those things where like there aren't there to me, there aren't a whole lot of other rules that you would have to create. It's just that, Mm -hmm. you know, for people that are traveling internationally, like the week after they get back from traveling internationally, they're on the buy, right? Mm -hmm. Like teams that are on some some kind of buy playing each other after they've been on a buy. Like 
like those rules, like there aren't any other rules. And I get there are a ton of iterations of everything else after that. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to figure out schedules and prime time and like all that kind of stuff. I get that. But like that aside, you can have a couple set of rules on the front end of that. And that is not yeah. an overwhelming restriction. It's, it's really not. And they've done a good job of improving scheduling over the years. But it's so selective that they, that they continue to leave gigantic fuck ups in the middle of a, of, a, of a process like this. So, for example, changing all the, the games in week 18 to be divisional was a huge positive for the thing. It, it creates a lot of balance, a lot of importance to those games, potentially. Uh, then they also do the, the thing where they have flexible scheduling last week and they make everybody play at the same time. So nobody can derive an advantage that way. So that's a that's a positive thing. They changed the international thing to, to allow teams to have their buy, they can you can raise their hand, and that's all Jacksonville had to do this with this year to avoid the Ravens having to play off a buy was to say no, we we don't want to we want to have our buy immediately after our week eight game in in uh, London, and I don't know why they didn't do that. It just, it just it's again, it just hoses the Ravens. Uh, so they've they've done a number of things to fix the schedule. Why can you not fix this one simple thing about the buys? It's it's the biggest, most egregious thing in, in the schedules. The other thing is the Thursday games have got to properly rotate, or you've got to have two per year per team, one home run road. There's, there's no other way to, to do it fairly. Um, and and you know they, they do have it now, and correctly, they got it to the point where everybody plays one Thursday game per year. That's a good start. But – one home and one oh, sorry one road is a hell of a lot worse than one home it's a big scheduling difference and then if you have divisional games in there you further mess the thing up yeah i i, I mean i it, it it's just beyond me how how some of those things haven't been structured in and then you look at i mean we're a little we're a little tangential here but then you yeah. look at some of these monday night choice games and like are you really telling me that New England, Arizona is like a premium Monday night game? New England and Chicago is a premium Monday yeah, night game? Certainly not that like, one. <laughs> but like, you know, I, 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 you know, look, they're both big markets, right? Ultimately, it's Boston versus Chicago. And that's the reason that, that that's been selected for that game. Mm -hmm. But there's just such a farce behind their like justifications of some of this stuff. And I really just wish that like the NFL would own it and be like, we recognize it's not like, like, don't even try and tell me that you're trying to accomplish parity. Tell me that you're trying to make the most money, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that holds Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, going back to kind of the week four matchup back, is because they both play in markets that are not, like, premium top-end markets. Like, if Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson were on the Giants and the Cowboys, that would be a primetime game. Hard stop, no questions asked, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, I, I guess that I just wish the NFL would be, like, a little bit more forthcoming that, like, we're going to prioritize making money and giving networks what they want out of this to better leverage our future contracts than trying to create parity in the schedule and kind of giving us this fake mumbo jumbo. Right. I mean, uh, so, so much about the NFL is about parity, but the, the scheduling process itself is a complete flummoxing failure in that regard. It's just a, a, a bad situation. Okay, let's continue on. We're talking about the Ravens schedule. So they play Cincinnati in week five, get an early game in against the Bengals. The Bengals will have an edge. Uh, by by coming off that Thursday game, that's unfortunate. At least it'll be in Baltimore. Um, go to week six. An interesting scheduling quirk for the Ravens. The Ravens, of course, don't have a London game this year. No team in the in the AFC North does, so it's no divisional advantage from that. However, the Ravens will be playing the Giants coming back from London off their week five game there. So that's a nice little advantage for the Ravens. And in fact, that London 
number of plus four that they've got in there. And, and my formula is the largest single advantage they have and about the only advantage they have over the rest of the division. Yes. In fact, the only advantage they have over the rest of the division. Yeah. And, and that's, a, a and, <laughs> you know, the irony is it's against a team that's probably ultimately not going to be very good and didn't need of all, of all the moments of structural advantages that I would have wanted yeah. to pick on the schedule, the giants might have been the last Atlanta, Atlanta, or New York Giants. I mean, you know, you're playing an out of conference team at home in a game you should win, and you and and your your 82 percent chance to win the game went up to 86 percent by. I think it is in New York, though. In, in, oh, you're right. Only, it is. It is at New York. <laughs> so I'm that's the only that. that's the only silver lining to that. But it's just like you know, of all the potential opportunities to like have a benefit, like you know, Cincinnati gets to come have a mini buy and then. Mm-hmm play a massive divisional game, which at, at a point in the season where it could be, you know, really, you know, really an important game for, for the first place, is, probably. Yeah. And they've already got Pittsburgh early and they get Dallas early. So there's a chance that, that this could be a really must win game for Cincinnati. If for whatever reason they were to lose those two games, they could really be behind the eight ball, you know, having this short week against Miami, who knows, like anything can happen when they have those short weeks. It could just be a really big game for Cincinnati and to structure that advantage in for them, um, you know, is great for them. Right. Like, whereas like the, the Ravens are not going to benefit from that from the Giants. But, you know, it is what it is, I guess, they, as they say. Right. It's uh, it is what it is. So week seven, we're still playing uh, Monday or sorry, Sunday at one o'clock football. The. Actually, week seven. Do they play a night game then? I'm not looking at the actual schedule. Uh, I'm looking I, at the- no, I think it, it's not. It's not a primetime game. Okay, so that that Cleveland game, uh, we're back to a to back to a regular game. That's always nice. You don't want to you don't want to have irregularities. Nothing. Cleveland's not coming off a bye. Cleveland's not coming off a Thursday. Cleveland's also not coming off a Monday night. So anyway, just a regular game. Uh, Tampa Bay in Week Eight. Now this was you know an attempt to get a money game in there. Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady uh, facing off on a Thursday night at Tampa. That's always bad to play your road games on a Thursday. Having one less day to prepare when you need a day of that to travel is is very bad. So it's not what the Ravens want ever. Here's what's frustrating to me about this. The Ravens played on the road last year on Thursday. Why? Why ever should that happen two years in a row? And, you know, the double down to that to me is also like this whole like promotion of safety and like mm-hmm. the, the Thursday night games are already a doozy on these guys' bodies. Like, mm-hmm. and the, like how they didn't add a second bye week when they added the 17th like game still eludes me um, because that was actually, that's probably more money for the NFL out of all, all things considered. So I just like that, that just struck me as peculiar why they never took that opportunity to do that. Um but then to make teams, you know, consecutively go on the road like that on Thursdays in those years, that's that wear and tear on these guys. I, I mean, the wear and tear on an NFL player's body is legitimate to begin with. And anyone that says otherwise is really full of it. And I would strongly disagree with them. And like making these guys do that in this instance is just I agree with you. Just it's it's structurally unfair. Right. And obviously, uh, you know. The NFL has embraced Thursday games. Maybe it's time to embrace a second game every Thursday. I know I'm I'm already completely cannot accept the Thursday Thanksgiving home game. I mean, I, I would if the Ravens had it, but it turns out the Lions and the Cowboys have it. I, I'm frustrated to hell that the two teams get to assign themselves that for all time, and the league tacitly approves it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. 
So anyway, move on. Week nine, the, the Ravens play their Monday night game at New Orleans, their only Monday night game of the year. Uh, nice thing from a scheduling perspective about this is that, you know, it's the week after Monday night that's tough. And if you have a bye, as the Ravens do, after Monday night, essentially means they have no Monday night games for the year. So they, they get a plus two in the scoring system for having essentially zero MNF games uh, for the year. They don't have to play anyone coming off Monday night and give them an advantage and, you know, the way these things have seemed to fall for the Ravens the last few years, it's it oftentimes is going to be a divisional opponent. I mean, there's already a six and 16 chance, right? That it'll be a divisional yep. opponent. So it's uh, you know, it's not what you want. Uh, week 10, the Ravens have the bye. Now well, and let, I just want to go back to the new, I, I think there's a structural, a big structural advantage here for the Ravens right in this schedule, this stretch okay. of the schedule, including the bye. One is, that this is probably right around the time that David Ajabo is going to be back. And a lot of these guys are going to be, you know, we've got so many guys that are coming off the IR and injury that there's a lot of rest post Tampa um, mm-hmm. in these games. So we get an extra day on the Monday night game after the Tampa Thursday game. So there's actually like kind of 11 days between those games and then a buy on the other side of that. And new Orleans is a really tough place to go and play. Um, so this idea that you have one extra day before you do go into New Orleans, and who knows what New Orleans is going to be like as a team this year. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to say, but like having that extra day before you have to go into the Superdome when you've got to go down there for a primetime game, um, both from a game planning and a health perspective, total win. And then as you were just saying, you get the buy on the other side of that, all culminating right around kind of, I don't know, it just feels like that meaty part of the season where injuries start to pile up and and it's a good time to only have two games over the better part of three weeks. Right. So really you, or three I and think, a half weeks. yeah, that, that's what you're, that's what I thought you were getting. at was the, was the, the half by after the Tampa game too was helping. Uh, and maybe some of the opponents in that, in that part helped too, that it's Carolina, Jacksonville, and even new Orleans themselves, you know, they might, might help the Ravens in that sense. I, I don't know where the Ravens are going to be in terms of players on the pup list that are going to be back at midseason, but there probably will be some of that. And and it's easier to hide a player on the pup list than it is to have to get them onto the roster where they can be returned from IR at any point, because then the Ravens have to find the, the offset veteran who will uh, make himself available to the Levine deal, let's call it, uh, where he's cut every year and then, and then re-signed. The Ravens don't have as many of those guys as they, as they used to. So, uh, it, it might have to be a younger guy. It might have to be, you know, a Christian Welch or somebody like that. And then when you do that, or Cologne, uh, you you uh, risk that guy through waivers if he's in his first four years. So it, it's it's going to be more more difficult for the Ravens to figure out how to do that this year. I'm afraid. Yeah, it could, and Mike Davis could be one of those guys, especially if he ends up being that's a good one. back. So he's a new veteran that's at the minimum. I don't know if cutting and bringing him back if they lose that like veteran contract benefit. That, I don't like, think the, so. Okay. Yeah. I, or, or if they do, they haven't cared about it in the past because there's a whole bunch of guys, McPhee and Levine and Richards and other people who all fit into the same category. Yeah. All right, let's keep going on. So week 10 is the buy. And what I did is I always like to figure out what's the average week of the buy and just subtract that from the buy week to determine how many points you get in this category. So the average buy week was 9.875 this year. Really strange, but six teams have their buy week in week 14. It almost seems like it's too late to help. It might never be too late, but it almost seems like that's too late to help. But I think the teams who have it probably are pretty happy they've they've got it that late in the season. 
And uh, anyway, week 10, uh, it, 10 is what I used because 9.875, I wanted to have an integer scoring system. So uh, they get a zero. Uh, the the Browns and Steelers get a minus one. The Bengals also have a zero for, for a week 10 by uh, being just average. We play Carolina in week 11. You want to talk about that one? No, no, no. I yeah, I, I just think you know it's a it's this is a, it's a good stretch of the season for the Ravens to get healthy. I I don't. What I was going to ask is I don't remember. Has it always been the case that there isn't a buy on Thanksgiving for any team? Um, I, I feel like I don't remember that being the case. Um, but there's nobody on the buy, and I know that we're a little like just kind of discussing sure. where buy weeks come in. There's nobody on the buy in week twelve, which I or week I, yeah week twelve, which I thought was odd. I think there might have been a skipped bye week last year, but I can't say if it was week 12. But now that you mention it, that's that would make the most sense as to the reasoning is that they want to have uh, Thanksgiving games for everybody. And so they they uh, they keep it there. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to look back now at, at 2021 and see what that looked like. So Carolina is coming off a, a half bye there. Uh, Ravens play them at home. They're coming off a full bye. The problem with this is, yes, Carolina, it kind of they don't they don't get the value of coming off a half by against the Ravens. The Ravens also don't get the full advantage of coming off the by themselves. Uh, but the points take care of it with an offset in both directions. So hopefully the, the, the system is reflecting that to some degree. Uh, home game, at least the next week, they're, they're at Jacksonville. Interesting situation here is that Jacksonville after their week eight London game could have taken their buy immediately then chose not to do it because it's their, it's their option. And then that means the Ravens have to play them coming off a buy in week 12 because they're they, the Jacks has their buy in week 11. Yeah. I, I, I can't possibly come to understand why a team wouldn't want to take the buy after traveling internationally. I, I just like having like travel a lot for work across multiple mm-hmm. time zones. I just, I like I can't, I just can't wrap my head around that idea. Yeah. Um, I want to so, buy after brushing my teeth. I mean, I, I <laughs> I'm at that age, you know. So I can certainly understand why international traffic, uh, you know, international travel, you want to take the buy. Yeah. So, um, you know, and and you know, going back to the Carolina game, for example, the, you know, in the similarly, like that's probably one of those where you're glad it's Carolina and not a different team that you're losing that advantage against. Um, Jacksonville's a cute. I think Jacksonville's a real wild card of a team because Trevor Lawrence could really develop and really come along, and like they could be a lot better than it seems like they would be. Um, so, so this game, you know, early on the schedule has a little trappy feel to it, a, a, a little bit because it's in Jacksonville. Um, it's kind of you know in the middle of that stretch of the schedule. Um, it'll be. I think that's an interesting game to keep an eye on once this when, when the, the the season rolls around. Uh, the Ravens are perfectly capable of of visiting a Florida team in London. They lost forty four to seven to the Jags. They had that abortion of a game in two thousand eleven where they lost what twelve to seven. I think oh, it that was, was like nine to six. Whatever it was, it was yeah, awful. It was. It was. Forget that. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a horrible, uh, horrible uh, game there as well. But they they certainly have the ability. The Miami game last year, I'd almost put the same category as a you know game the Ravens yes. should have won. But uh, but anyway, the Jacksonville game is what it is, and it'll be Jacksonville coming off a bye. Then they have a, a stretch of games where the schedule makers aren't doing anything to them. They play Denver at home. They play at Pittsburgh. At Cleveland, home against Atlanta, and home against Pittsburgh in weeks 13 to 17. 
So the the Cleveland game could get flexed to Saturday, though. That's the start of when games on Sundays, because mm-hmm. college football has more or less wrapped up at that point, can start moving into Saturday. So don't count the schedule makers out for taking a day of rest away. <laughs> they still uh, have a chance. <laughs> you know, and and having and being back to back on the road in Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and potentially having one. And I know Cleveland would also. Who are they playing the week before that? Cleveland um, is playing Cincinnati the week. Before. Okay, so they're they're not all that much more advantaged, I guess, in that regard. But you know, it would be nice in that stretch not to have to see a one less day of rest because I w- I would rather have a full week there and not have the extra day going into Atlanta, right? And instead of being sure. worried about being flexed against Saturday because Atlanta is another hopefully layup game. Right. They've, they've done a lot of things with that. The, the, the key one that I remember in terms of a Saturday flex game was having to travel cross country in 2018 to go to that LA Chargers little dump of a soccer stadium to play that game on a Saturday that meant everything to the Ravens. It meant everything to the Chargers too, but, but it meant everything to the Ravens in terms of making the playoffs. And uh, fortunately they were able to, to, to win it. But uh Boy, that was not a good scheduling thing. And then, of course, they played the Chargers in the playoffs that year. And one of the things they could have done was force the Chargers to play at 1 p.m. on the first Saturday and travel cross-country to do it. And, and I'm like, that's only fair after what we just had to go through to make the playoffs. And everybody said, no, no, that's way, that's way too unfair. No, they, don't, they don't look at the ridiculousness of regular season scheduling to then schedule the postseason is what it comes down to. But, but hopefully, as you said, this 13 to 17 week stretch or week 13 to week 17 stretch stays pretty normal. Um, but that's, you know, that's as as it should be. But, you know, we get a lot of divisional games mm-hmm. squeezed in there. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be a lot on the line um, at this point, you know, of the schedule. And it's good that that, you know, we kind of have some of those by structural things kind of let in right before then. So hopefully, ideally, they're at least rested or healthy all in all once they get into this stretch. Right. And I complain about it a little bit, but every team should play one team coming off a bye. And if you have to go on the road to play Jacksonville, that's a hell of a lot better than a a really top-notch opponent. And we don't know. We, there are some good teams right. in here that we haven't identified as good teams at this point in the season. You're absolutely right to say it that way. That's why I don't really want to handicap the games. I want to handicap the schedule-making timing. You know, that's what that's what I'm really trying to do with this. But but in in the case of of who your buy comes across, keep those damn opponent buys out of the division. Keep those opponent half buys out of the division. Keep these Thursday games out of the division. Uh, and and that's that's a start at least. So anyway, the uh, uh, the Ravens avoid that, and they have five straight weeks. They play. They finish with four to five in the NFC AFC North. Sorry. Um, and the last week of the season, they actually get an advantage. They play against Cincinnati. There'll be an opponent Monday night game. So the Ravens get one of those. Now everybody gets one, so that's not an exceptional number, but it's against a divisional opponent, which means that that, that really has additional subjective or it's magnified in terms of the leverage of that game. Yep, it is the it's the only... <laughs> Potentially the only bad part of Cincinnati's entire schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the ridiculousness of kind of how all these imbalances happen. It's like how 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 that happens is just remains beyond me. We will we will take a brief rundown of the highlights of the other divisional opponents because in the end, all of your 
relative schedule advantages are, are relative to your conference and your and your divisional opponents primarily. So you, you need to win the division in the, in the NFL to go very far. You, you want to certainly play one home playoff game at, at, at the minimum. But beyond that, you know, your, your conference opponents also, you, you're, you're competing against for the wild card, which is the last refuge of the scoundrel to get into the playoffs, but it's still, you know, what you need to do a lot of the time. I, 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 talking about these other teams is just upsetting me in, in the process here. The Steelers <laughs> actually, okay, let's, let's do this first. The Ravens net score by me- my method is minus two. Now a typical team should be right around zero. That's at all of the individual weightings of games net to zero uh, for the entire NFL. And the exception was the bye week creates a bias of minus 0.0125, so just an eighth of a point negative. For that 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 kind of stuff is not important. That the 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 average score should should be right around zero. And as it turns out, the Ravens have a zero score exactly before I turn in a subjective adjustment. And the subjective adjustment is that they got boned by a half by to Cincinnati offset maybe by the fact that they got a, you know, a, a one day less rest versus Cincinnati in another game. Uh, and then they play, of course, a road Thursday game and, 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 and the net of other things that go in there. But the subjective score is, is basically based on the division uh, is, is, an, is minus two as I have it. The other teams in the division and, and it, so that's the Ravens total becomes minus two, slightly below average in terms of the timing that they could have expected for the schedule. The Steelers got the absolute rifle butt end of the scheduling this year. They faced two teams coming off a bye. Absolutely no excuse. Doesn't matter that it's the Steelers. I still hate it, guys. Uh, just beyond ridiculous. And one of them is Cincinnati. So to, they kept it in the division as well. That's additional negative subjective points. Actually, bind the subjective score between plus five and minus five only. But that's so bad for the Steelers to to, to be playing Cincinnati coming off a bye like last year the Ravens did. It's a minus five all by itself. Uh, they have other negative things in their schedule too, but the, but that was huge. So uh, between those two elements, uh, they get to negative twelve. The Browns have the second easiest schedule in the division. And they're all the way up at plus nine. So basically you have the Steelers way down at floor level. You go up about a foot and a half, you get to the Ravens level, go up another foot and a half, and you're at the Browns level at at plus nine. The big advantages on the Browns schedule, well, it's a little bit of everything. They play home on Thursday. They play an opponent coming off, sorry, no opponent coming off a Thursday game. They play one Monday night game, but they have their bye immediately after it. So like the Ravens, they essentially play no Monday night game. So that's a, that's an advantage. Uh, and they have some divisional advantages included in that. Most specifically, they play Pittsburgh at home on their Thursday game. So I gave them a plus two in terms of his objective for a plus nine total. Yeah, I, so. I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's just, it's wild to me that these things can happen within a division that it's even if like, even if you wanted to disadvantage an entire division completely, like, you know, that'd be one thing, but like this, these, these are the kind of things like that have very real influence on, you know, placement in the playoffs and more. Um, And it's just, I I just, I, I just, every year I'm always, my mind is always boggled. And, and like you were saying, as it relates to the Steelers kind of getting hosed in this, 
like it boggles my mind that like this is just this one that is so glorified by the NFL. Like we're having a podcast, so like we're part of the problem, right? But that it's so glorified by the NFL that they're going to release the schedule, even though we know who is playing whom and where across the board. Um, and then B that like the parody is not a priority. It just, it, I, I just, I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, if all, you know, I would accept this from the NFL. You don't even have to match up every single bye week implement a formula like I'm giving you here, not this exact formula, but some formula, which, which, you know, creates a schedule fairness score for each team and try and get them within a reasonable bound. And everybody who's between, you know, plus three and minus three. Okay. No problem. But, you know, having the Browns at plus nine and the Bengals now at plus 13 does not make any sense at all in terms of, of schedule fairness. The Bengals now, you're going to love this. The Bengals did not play a single team coming off a bye. That gives them a seven-point advantage over the Browns and Ravens and a 14-point advantage over the Steelers. That is most of the difference between these schedules we're talking about. But they also impose their will within the division by uh, getting to play, let's see, the Ravens on their uh, half bye. So that was a big advantage. They play a home game against Miami on a Thursday, so they didn't have to play a road game there. Uh, and there was another another thing related to the Steelers that I thought was to their advantage. And I'm trying to figure out what that is. Oh, yeah, they play Pittsburgh after they come off their bye. It's not Pittsburgh's bye. It's their bye. So uh, that's a magnified divisional advantage uh, right there as well. So I give them the maximum possible subjective score in, inside that because – a lot of their advantages came against the division. Yeah, it's 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 completely it, it's bizarre to me that this happens, and especially, you know, especially when you've got like kind of like a darling moment for and you know, I, I guess I would have to go back and look at like the twenty twenty schedule for Baltimore to know whether or not they. I, I don't recall them getting kind of like you know having any additional advantages or kind of buzz, but in, in twenty one. Yeah, in no, in 2020, right? Because so coming off the 2019 year where they were the one seed, Lamar won the all, unanimous MVP. Just felt like they had like a lot of momentum moving forward. Um, you know, it just feels like all the buzz is about the Bengals in the bigger picture. Um, and so, like, it's not surprising to me that the NFL would want the team that has that kind of cachet or whatever you want to call it be the team that gets that benefit. Yeah, I, I, I want to look this up quickly enough, but I'm not sure I can get there. Think about it. But I, I've done the scoring method for years, so so I do have it. Uh, oh, come on. No, I'm, I'm, I, I can't get it up quickly. Anyway, a, anyway it, it feels like there's just so much kind of positivity being kind of laid in the Bengals' direction that I'm annoyed by that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, I guess we've whined and moaned enough about this, but just remember, it's not about who they're playing. We're not trying to handicap games or how good the teams are. It's a, All that's determined. The only th- impact the schedule makers have is the when, and so that's the only discussion we're really having here. Now, we've added some other points and you know about, about how good we think these teams are and what's a marquee matchup and this and that, but uh, you know, schedule makers just need to make the, make the when fair. That's all they really need to do, except – they really have a larger mission that is is uh, more significant to the league, of course. 
But, you know, the other thing I would I would say about the Ravens schedule that we didn't kind of specifically say is that it just generally speaking, it's a pretty balanced schedule. There's not mm-hmm. like a huge stretch of like row games. There's not a huge stretch of divisional games. There's not that like weird like Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland five like that bullshit that was last mm-hmm. year. Um, so a lot of that stuff is kind of been pulled out of the schedule. And in a, in a season when you have the odd number or the higher number of road games right for the new mm-hmm. structural 17th game setting you're at a little bit more risk of like running like a three or four game stretch of road games and and good we're point. lucky that that didn't happen yeah really really good point and and in fact i think the ravens are a little lucky to be have the out of conference divisional matchup with the south this year which is not a lot of travel time the east would have worked too but the south is is exceptionally good for uh you know being all in the t- same time zone and nobody's too damn far away uh, that they they don't have to travel too much in total, and so when you have nine road games, it's really nice to nice to have not too much total travel time involved in nine games as opposed to eight. Yeah, that, I, I totally agree. Who is the who's the? Why am I not remembering this? Who's the extra team? The Giants. They play? The Giants. Okay. Yeah. So so in fact, I did a little pod with some Giants people, and and they were upset that they were getting the Ravens two years in a row after you know they played the yeah. <laughs> they, they played them last year. So. All right. Well, outstanding. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for coming on and doing this. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work online. Yeah, you guys can check us out in the Situation Room. Um, we, we got our podcast up there on filmstudybaltimore.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Raven Sit Room, and my co-host Gabe Ferguson is at Gabe Fergie. We'd love if you guys tuned in. We try and break down the games each week, talk a little bit about the strategy, play calls, and, and some of that kind of stuff uh, right out of the gate, right after the game. So love to see you there. Make sure you give these guys a follow. They're they're high quality. Uh, you know, on a podcast, it's almost like this is this is not the best place to ask people to follow you because <laughs> because they're not at a computer. Most of the people are listening on their yeah. phone and they're running or they're sure. in the car or whatever. But anyway, at Raven Sit Room and at Gabe Fergie, make sure you give them a give them a pod. And the current one is out there right now. So uh, you guys just produced one what a day or two ago. Right. Yeah, we talked a little bit about value in the draft and tried to t- try to really break down the draft picks by like what the meaningful value was for those position, like the position and the ranking and like where all the pre-draft stuff was and take a look at it from a little bit of a different angle. All right. Very good. I see the topic's been discussed a lot by a lot of people, but there aren't too many people who can discuss it better than Jordan and Gabe can. And that's why I have them on the show so frequently to, to, to have this similar discussions with me. Uh, other, other folks out there who uh, want to be on a film study short, it's that time of year. I'm looking for content. Always happy to have people who have any kind of new idea or scheme. Had somebody just do a very interesting breakdown with me today about how to interpret coach speak, basically. It's, it's extremely well done. I hope you guys will look forward to it. We, we actually cut it up into two episodes because it's, it's, it's very well done. But the first episode is really about – coach speak and in this case gm speak after the draft what is what does it mean how are we supposed to interpret it was he telling the truth that sort of thing and uh, it's it's i think it's uh it, it's really good stuff uh jordan thanks again for coming on thanks for having me again always happy to be here we'll talk to you next time on film study Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.